Good morning. I've got a rather a long passage today, um, but for those of you who have got your Bibles with you, the passage is Numbers chapter 23, verse 1, to chapter 24, verse 9. I'll just give you a moment for those to open their Bibles. Balaam said, build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam said, and the two of them offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, stay here beside your offering while I go aside. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet with me. Whatever he reveals to me, I will tell you. Then he went off to a barren height. God met with him, and Balaam said, I have prepared seven altars, and on each altar I have offered a bull and a ram. The Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Go back to Balak and give him this word. So he went back to him and found him standing beside his offering and with all the Moabite officials. Then Balaam spoke his message. Balak brought me from Aram, the king of Moab, from the eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come, denounce Israel. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? From the rocky peaks I see them. From the heights I view them. I see people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and may my final end be like theirs. Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies but you have done nothing but bless them. He answered, Must I not speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? Then Balak said to him, Come with me to another place where you can see them. You will not see them all, but only the outskirts of their camp. And from there, curse them for me. So he took him to the field of Zophim on the top of Pisgah, And there he built seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Balaam said to Balak, Stay here beside your offering while I meet with him over there. The Lord met with Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go back to Balak and give him this word. So he went to him and found him standing beside his offering with the Moabite officials. Balak asked him, what did the Lord say? Then he spoke this message. Arise, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless He is blessed, and I cannot change it. 
No misfortune is seen in Jacob, no misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them, the shout of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt, they have the strength of a wild ox. There is no divination against Jacob, no evil omens against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel, see what God has done. The people rise like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion that does not rest till it devours its prey and drinks the blood of its victims. Then Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. Balaam answered, did I not tell you I must do whatever the Lord says? Then Balak said to Balaam, come, let me take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them for me from there. And Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor, overlooking the wasteland. Balaam said, Build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam had said and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Now, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not resort to divination as at other times, but turned his face towards the wilderness. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came on him and he spoke his message. The prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one whose eye sees clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate, and whose eyes are opened. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob, your dwelling places, Israel. Like valleys they spread out, like gardens beside a river, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from their buckets, their seed will have abundant water. Their king will be greater than Agag. Their kingdom will be exalted. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. They devour hostile nations and break their bones in pieces. With their arrows, they pierce them. Like a lion, they crouch and lie down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse them? May those who bless you be blessed and those who curse you be cursed. Thank you, Asantha. <clears throat> How certain are you that God will bless you? Do you feel like you're under the blessing of God? What's been going on in your life recently? Good health or bad health? Financial prosperity or financial strain? Happy relationships or difficult relationships? Does it seem that God is blessing you? 
The Bible is very clear. The believer in Jesus Christ is blessed. Ephesians 1.3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You may not feel that God is blessing you, but his word promises, if you are in Christ, if you belong to Christ, if you're trusting in Christ, if Jesus is your rescuer and your king, if these things are true of you, you are undoubtedly blessed. Nothing and no one can stop you being blessed. You may well suffer. You may face difficulties. You may be ill or bereaved or challenged in a whole host of ways. But in Christ, the blessing of God is on your life. You will know this blessing in this life and in the life to come. All the riches of heaven Jesus said in Mark 10, 29 and following, Jesus said this, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much. In this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. That's what we can expect in the Christian life. Great sacrifice, perhaps losing our home, or our family, or our wealth for Jesus and the gospel, but we will be so blessed by God that in the end, we won't feel that we've sacrificed at all. There will be persecutions, there will be suffering, but in the age to come, eternal life. Such blessing assured to us in Jesus and what we see today in Numbers 23 and 24 is that God will always bless his people. You may remember the story so far. God's people are on their way through the wilderness, on their way to the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb had the faith to enter the land 40 years earlier. And so an entire generation dies in the wilderness, all except Joshua and Caleb. And yet, God has promised to bless his people. And so, as they prepare to enter the land, God gives them great victories. They defeat Sion and Og in chapter 21. And Balak, the Moabite king, is filled with dread at the sight of the Israelites traveling towards Jericho and the promised land. And so terrified is King Balak 
that he sends for internationally renowned seer, magician, Balaam, who lives 400, year, 400 miles northeast in modern-day Iraq, and who is summoned to place a curse on God's people. King Balaam, Balak is willing to pay top money if Balaam will only curse Israel. And so we get the ridiculous and hilarious story of Balaam and his donkey. The donkey can see the angel of the Lord standing in their way. So the donkey veers off the path and eventually lies down, while Balaam manically beats the donkey. Until finally, the Lord opens Balaam's eyes, having been spoken to by the donkey. And Balaam realizes he may be an internationally renowned seer. He may be able to manipulate spiritual forces. He may have access to the occult. But there is a God in heaven who must be obeyed. And Balaam realizes he can only prophesy what God says and nothing else will do. Well, Balak takes Balaam to a viewing point from where he can see the Israelite camp. Balak is expecting Balaam to curse the Israelites. After all, he's paying good money for this. But what we see today is God's blessing is assured. That's my one point this morning. God's blessing is assured. Remember what God promised Abraham in Genesis 12, 2 and 3. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God has promised to bless his people, the nation of Israel. And one day Jesus will come from the nation of Israel and all nations will be blessed through him. So God's blessing is assured. Three times this same message is given in Numbers 23 and 24. 23 verse 1, Balaam is quite prepared to go along with Balak. He's in it for the money. He wants to curse the Israelites. So he tells the king, 23 verse 1, to build seven altars, to sacrifice seven bulls and seven rams, and Balaam goes off to see what God will say to him. Verse 4, God met with him. Balaam says piously, I have prepared seven altars and sacrificed bulls and rams. And God completely overrules Balaam and Balak. 
in their scheme to curse the Israelites. Verse 20, chapter 23, verse 5. Go back to Balak and give him this word. What is the word that, that Balaam must deliver? Verse 8. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? Balaam is an internationally renowned seer He's used to exercising occult power, but he cannot curse what God has not cursed. He can only bless what God is blessing. Verse 10. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel? In other words, Israel is going to be so multiplied beyond counting and that, brothers and sisters, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In Christ, God's people are so numerous that it's impossible to count them. There are millions and millions of believers throughout the world. And one day we will stand before God, a great multitude whom no one can count. God's blessing is assured. God will bless his people in Christ. Well, Balak is extremely disappointed. He's paying good money for this. So verse 13, he takes Balaam to another viewing point from where they could again see the outskirts of the Israelite camp. The same thing happens. Balaam prescribes seven altars, seven bulls, and seven rams to be sacrificed. Balaam goes off to inquire of the Lord. And the message is the same. Verse 18. Arise, Balak, and listen. God is not human that he should lie not a human being that he should change his mind. Verse 20, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot change it. Balaam is used to manipulating occult forces, but he cannot manipulate God. Verse 21, no misfortune is seen in Jacob, no misery is observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. Verse 23. There is no divination against Jacob. No evil omens against Israel. My usual occult magic doesn't work against Israel. Because God is with them. In my former church... Local occultists prayed against the church. They wound tape around the perimeter of the church grounds as a symbol of their evil prayers against the church. What happened? God blessed the church. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle 
is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's why you should come to the prayer gathering. Why don't you come and pray in the prayer gathering? We are struggling against demonic powers. But because of Christ's victory, what was true of Israel in Numbers 23 is true of the believer. 23, verse 23. There is no divination against Jacob, no evil omens against Israel. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. God's blessing is assured. Well, you can imagine the effect this has on King Balak. I've paid all this money. I've transported you 400 miles. 23-25. Neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. Just don't say anything if you can't say what I'm telling you to say. But Balaam is a broken man. Verse 26. Did I not tell you, I must do whatever the Lord says? Balaam cannot stand up against the sovereignty of God, against God the King. The surprising thing is, that Balak doesn't give up. Verse 27, he takes Balaam to another viewing point. Balak says, well, he'll have to build seven altars and sacrifice seven bulls and seven rams. This is done. But what happens? 24 verse 2, when Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came on him, and he spoke his message. The prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one whose eyes sees clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate, and whose eyes are opened. There is only one message Balaam has regarding Israel. They are blessed. Their tents are beautiful, verse 5. They spread out like gardens beside a river, verse 6. They have abundant water, verse 7. Their king will be greater than Agag, another pagan king. Verse 8, God has brought them out of Egypt God rescued them. Now, verse 8, they have the strength of a wild ox. They devour hostile nations and break their bones in pieces. Like a lion, they crouch and lie down. 
Who dares to rouse them? May those who bless you be blessed, and those who curse you be cursed. Where have we heard that before? It's God's blessing to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Balaam has every intention of cursing Israel. He's in it for the money. He is a prophet for profit, in the words of Dave Wilby from last week. But God breaks him, and he can only say what God tells him to say. He's still not a converted man. He's still an evil occultist. He's still a seer. But because God overpowers him, overwhelms him, he can only say what God tells him to say. God's blessing is assured. Well, what will you take away from this part of the Bible? Three applications. God cannot be overcome. Blessing is real. And blessing is found in Jesus. Firstly, God cannot be overcome. Balak is a king. He's a powerful man. He's wealthy. He can afford to transport Balaam 400 miles. He can pay good money for Balaam's services. But what God says goes. God decides whether his people are blessed or cursed. It's pointless to try and overcome God. It's pointless to try and defeat his purposes. The only thing to do is to submit to God. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How are you doing with that? I find that difficult. There are situations in my life, in my family life, where I think I know what is best. There are things I pray for every day. But God's will must be done. God's will must be done on earth as it is in heaven. I must submit to God's will. Balak and Balaam do that despite their sinful preferences. Will you do it? Will you submit to God's will? Secondly, blessing is real. You may not feel that you're experiencing the blessing of God. You may not feel that things are going well for you. It could be that you're not a Christian yet, in which case you're not yet under the blessing of God, even if things appear to be going well. If you're not living with Jesus as king, 
You're not in the place of God's blessing. You're in the place of God's curse. That's very serious. God is generous. He dispenses what we call common grace. He blesses all people, the just and the unjust. He gives sunshine and rain. He gives food and shelter. He gives interesting and stimulating careers. That's all common grace. But the person who is outside of Christ is fundamentally under God's curse. God's face is turned away. And one day, fully and finally, that person will end up under God's curse in hell. It's essential that all people, our friends and families, bring their lives under the rule of Christ, where God's blessing is real. God's face is turned towards you. God loves you and keeps you in the place of his blessing. If you are a Christian, you should thank God for this. Despite your circumstances, you should thank him for your experience of his blessing now and for the certainty of his blessing in heaven forever. And thirdly, blessing is found in Jesus. Tucked away in chapter 24, verse 17, is a prophecy of the coming Messiah, of Jesus, 24:17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Who's that talking about? It's talking about God's Messiah. It's talking about God's coming king. A scepter. That's what a king has. This is Jesus. He would one day come. Do you know him? Have you discovered his blessing on your life? If so, are you living for him? Are you saying, thank you, Lord, for your blessing on my life? Now I give my life back to you in love and worship. I want to share your blessing with my family, with my friends, with those you've put in my life. I want every area of my life to exhibit the blessing of Jesus, my home life, my relationships, my work life, my time off. It's all for you, Jesus. Because you are the one who blesses me. Is that your heart's cry as you go from this service this morning? Well, God grant it for each one of us. Amen.